0: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, insurance, investing, retirement, how to get to retirement, wealth accumulation, wealth distribution, much, much more. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton, regional director of EP Wealth, also a certified sort of financial planner, also someone I've had on the years on the air with me for over 20-plus years, pushing 25. Um, just a veritable wealth of information. Chad, let's talk earnings season that we've been in recently. Reports have been better than expected, maybe even better than feared. Um, on a year-over-year year level, what are you seeing?
1: Yeah, I think it's 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 interesting because when we look at it on a year-over-year, year with oh, about 90% of the companies probably reported so far, if not a little more, Reports were a little bit better than expected, but we still see an overall earnings decline of the S&P 500 of of 5% right around in that range. However, as of today, August 17th, as we're recording this one, it's 14.95% return on the S&P 500. I know that's, that's down from over 18, so we've had a little bit of a pullback here. Um, but a lot of it is we have to look at the NASDAQ, too, to kind of compare that, right? The S&P 500 is the largest 500 companies in America, but it's market cap weighted. So we have a ton of money in Apple and Microsoft and Amazon. Um, and if we look at those stocks in the QQQ, which has, a, uh, it's, it's still a large cap index and it's still market cap weighted, but it's even more heavy. It's twice as much in Microsoft and Apple and companies like that. That index is up 35% for the year. But if we look at it from January of 2022 because 2022 was the tech wreck, right? It was interest rates were going up. So tech valuations came way back down. We're still negative on on those positions, on the QQQ or the NASDAQ since January 2022. So a lot of the push this year has been recovery off tech selling too much um, versus earnings increasing, creating a positive return in the S&P 500. So two things. It shows you that when stuff sells down really, really hard, what a great time to buy, right? Um, but it also shows you have to have a little bit longer perspective versus you know just what's happened this year. You have to say what's happened over the last couple of years. Where are we? Where are valuations? Right now, the forward 12-month PE ratio, according to FactSet, is uh, 19.2 on the S&P 500. So the price-to-earnings ratio at 19.2, is above the five year average which is eighteen point six and above the ten year average is a seventeen which is seventeen point four so because of the tech weighting in the s p five hundred we're having higher valuations anyway um but they're they're kind of at a higher level so um good time to rebalance a portfolio i think Rob okay um and that takes into account
0: where we are in the economic expansion, because there's so many little small pieces to this, isn't there? Uh, yeah. Basically, I heard that you were implying there was a lot of recovery going on there, but we haven't really hit the margin expansion or the revenue expansion, um, which will eventually lead to an economic expansion that gets too hot, which eventually leads to the whole cycle
1: starting all over again. Um, how does the current- yeah, Oh, go ahead? We're not quite to, we're not quite to that one yet, right? We still might see it slightly higher interest rates. What's interesting is we're still sitting with an inverted yield curve, right? The two-year U.S. Treasury bond is paying around 4.97%, where the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond is paying less than that at 4.28%. So you get more money by lending the money to the government for a shorter period of time. That's upside down, right? Usually, the longer you lend money, the more interest you should earn right that's what a bond is when you when you buy a bond you're essentially loaning money to an entity and in, in this case it's the US government so it's considered the safest entity in the world right so that inverted yield curve um we we've, we've been inverted for quite a while and the 10-year treasury has been coming up the rates have been coming up and um so the idea is just, have we engineered a soft landing have the feds engineered a soft landing where um, we'll just kind of level out and, and bounce off around here for a little while? Or will we still have a, a minor recession and, and rates have to come back down, which is what many people think. And that's why bonds are giving a much better return, not only on interest rate, but also by a potential total return. If rates come down later, not only can you get a good rate on bonds now, but they, the prices might go up if we do have to um, you know, engineer more of a recovery later on from raising rates too much. So that all makes sense. <laughs> it's a lot to go through, but I've been doing yeah. this long enough with you that I get the,
0: the big pictures, and it's as simple as turning on CNBC and seeing some numbers on the bottom of the screen and yeah. making your decision based on that quick visualization. Um, cycles are kind of like onions; they're complex and multi-layered. Um, how does all of this, Chad, the whole earnings season, the treasury ladders, the corporate ladders, the money market funds, the stocks have had a big run. How does it affect the seven tests of retirement readiness?
1: Well, if we go back first and and, and talk a little bit about what what you mentioned, like a five year corporate bond ladder, because. You know, I've been talking about this on the show for the last year, but prior to that, it was like 2006 before I was talking about laddering bond portfolios. Right. Um, but right now, in if you have an IRA, and typically you're only doing this with over 250 thousand dollars, so theoretically, you have to have you know 500 to a million in your IRA to effectively do this. So, corporate bonds right now, you could do a five year ladder where. Um, you have a bond coming due every year for five years that you can either spend or invest somewhere else. And and you can expect around 5.75% on high, corporate, high credit quality corporate bonds. And so it's a good way for a retiree to have known income, not only from the interest from the bonds, but a bond maturing on a constant basis so that they can spend it if they need to. Um, we're looking at one to twenty-four month Treasury ladders, where you can buy T bills and T notes. Something that is coming due every single month for the next two years, and earn about five point two three percent. Which um, the rates, you know, the income isn't taxable at the state level, which is kind of nice. And um, so, so you can build that all into the portfolio. So, how it affects the seven tests is right now there's more competition from bonds to stocks. Right in the last several years, it's been the Tina trade. There, there's you know, it's it's there's nothing, (laughs) there's no alternative, Tina. Um, So retirees in the 29 years that I've been doing this have been much more aggressively positioned in stocks because bonds weren't paying anything, and now we do have competition between stocks and bonds, and so that could affect you know where the market goes versus where bonds go. But it also helps create more income for retirees, which helps affect how much safe money you have. And that's one of the tests is a safe money test.
0: People can learn more about this event that we have coming up by going to Chad's webpage, chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. The seven retirement readiness test for uh, seven retire- retirement. It's like, I love it. Cause it's like a cosmopolitan article. Um, are you ready to get married? Are you ready to retire? Are you ready to go to college? It's, it's, it's a nice way of looking at it. Uh, the event's going to be in Los Gatos in uh, the Toll House Hotel, 630 to 830 on the 24th of August. People can sign up at Chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Uh We've got about a minute until we go to break. Chad, any thoughts you want to throw in on this event?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the other tests is the order of stock market returns, which I think we should talk about because it's it's, you know, let's say you retire in 1999 before a big correction or in 2006 before a big correction. How you structure your portfolio five years prior means everything, because what you spend in the first 10 years and how you react to market conditions in the first 10 years is very important. Okay, we'll do that when we come back. And also, I'm going to throw a surprise curveball question at you
0: about are things different Now that we're post-COVID, has the economic cycle become something we've never seen before? Has the stock market cycle become something we've never seen before? Is retirement slightly different by a CFP standards? You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. He is EP Wealth Director. Um, He is tied towards the regional. He's a regional director in the Pacific
2: Northwest. I'm Rob Black. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors, Thursday, August 24th in Los Gatos. They'll walk you through these seven tests to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary, and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to retire better, pass on your estate, and minimize taxes, this event is for you. Find out if you're on the right track with the seven tests of retirement readiness, Thursday, August 24th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all seven tests? Sign up today online at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. I've been doing financial uh, broadcasting for
0: 25 years. I found CFP Chad Burton as content 24, 23 years ago. Um, I was a registered investment advisor. He was a certified financial planner, and it's almost like chocolate and peanut butter uh, when you can work together. It's, <laughs> it's pretty good. Do you remember the uh, commercials I'm referring to, Chad?
1: Oh yeah. Hey, okay, well, hold on a second. Have you done s'mores where you use a Reese's peanut butter cup instead of just chocolate? No. Is this is it all that good? It is all that good. It's much better. I know part of your best, best tip of the day that we're going to get right there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably fair. You learned that one on the slopes? Uh, no, uh, on the slopes. Like no, the ski at, a camp, at, a, at Some random campfire one day, you know. Okay. Campfires, mountains.
0: Anyway, we'll go back to the Wrigley. Stuff Hell of skis. Yeah. <laughs> so... In the first segment, we were talking about the stock market, and you brought up the very wise thought of 2022 was a bad year to retire, bonds and stocks went down. You brought up 2006 as a mm-hmm. tough year. You brought up another year as uh, tough times. They're not infrequent is what I'm getting at. I think those were three years in the last 20 um, to be bad years to retire, to be bad years to have a poor plan. Let's talk about mm-hmm. sequence of returns. It's something that you bring up now that I think is incredibly important. Um, because it's, as people take that first couple of years in retirement, you don't want to blow the first couple of years. That's, that's important.
1: No, you know, it's, it's really a game of math. And when I got into the business, I was majoring in engineering and math before my grandfather, um, you know, essentially said, Hey, can you help me get my office set up when he left banks years ago? Um, and, and I just fell in love with the business. And a lot of it is, is just the game of math. I mean, the example that I give all the time: If if you had a hundred thousand dollars, Rob, and you uh, in, in that first year you lost fifty percent of your money, how much would you have left over?
0: Was it a hundred thousand? You said,
1: yeah, fifty thousand. Right. So okay. a negative fifty percent <laughs> no, no, return. No yeah, I know it's early, so we got to do the yeah. Okay, so. If so, the first year you get a negative 50% return, how much rate of return do you have to get the next year to break even? That would be a hundred percent, hundred percent. Right. So if you look at a two year average annual return, which is what people look at in funds, right? The first year you have negative 50 plus 100, you have 50 divided by two. That's a 25% average annual rate of return over those two years. But what do you have? You have a real return of zero. That's right. So what a lot of people don't get about the idea of, okay, I'm going to go see a financial advisor, an investment advisor to help manage my wealth, is they think, oh, asset allocation means you're going to outperform the stock market every year. That's not what it means. Um, What it means is that you're hopefully keeping up with the market in the good years, but outperforming in the bad years, because that's what makes all the difference, especially mathematically when you're drawing out of a portfolio. Um, so because it's those years that drop 50 and then you got to get a hundred percent rate of return to break even. Those are the years that really affect the portfolio. And if you have your portfolio set up so that you can weather that storm that it happens occasionally, those 20 to 40% returns, as long as you're not drawing on your portfolio on the way down and the way up, it will recover. It always does. I mean, just look at the NASDAQ from 2022 to now, I mean, it was down huge in 2022 and it's almost recovered this year. So if somebody would have had to sell at the end of 2022, a lot of their large cap tech stocks in order to pay their bills, Mm -hmm. that money's gone. It's never going to recover. So the, the sequence of returns is very important. When you're younger, the sequence of returns doesn't mean as much because you're constantly adding to your 401k, your Roth IRAs, all those other things you're buying on those dips. But you flip the switch when you get into retirement, you're starting to draw on that portfolio. So you have to be very careful of the math example. You know, one of the worst ones that I can think of is a teacher that I was working with in Oregon that was retiring in 1999. Um, Extremely aggressive portfolio. You know, the tech stocks had taken off and And everyone, everyone had to be a dot com company and dot com investor. Back then, People Magazine were doing you know, stories on the stock market, and people were expecting average rates of return of 19% in their 401ks every year. Um, she would not listen. She would not go more conservative. And she retired at a young age, took PERS, which is a teacher pension, as early as possible, but rolled half of it out into an IRA and continued to invest aggressively. Guess who was going back to work by the year 2001? It was, it was sad because teachers don't make enough money as it is And then, you know, invested too aggressively to retire early and thought it was going to be the same forever and had to go back to work. So, you know, what's interesting
0: about that is I got an email recently from a young man, 40 year old firefighter. And his plan, because he's more of a wealth accumulator, he doesn't need Chad yet, who's more of a wealth manager. He said, I want to do the uh, ProShares QQQ. And it's kind of the same idea on the sequence of returns where, yes, you get triple leverage up, but you also get the triple leverage down. Mm-hmm. And it took me and a CFP a couple of minutes to convince them like these are short term trading vehicles. They are not long term investments. You are not going to get triple the NASDAQ because the sequence of returns on the downside are going to pull your underperformance to be greater than it is. And It's interesting. People are always looking for shortcuts on wealth accumulation. Do you find that people look for shortcuts on wealth management as well?
1: Oh, always. They're always looking for you know the next silver bowl. It's just human nature. It's it's kind of why the world of biohacking right now is is so popular and supplement sales are way up. People are looking away as as a way to live longer and live healthier. You're looking away always ways to make more money with less effort. You know, it's, it's kind of the human nature to try to take shortcuts. And one thing that I learned from my grandfather and even watching what he did with real estate and other things in the past, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So, so be very careful of high over returns um you can you can kind of base your returns on okay what are what are treasuries doing what's the 10 year us bond doing um so you get that 4 to 5% range mm-hmm. as soon as you get over that you you start getting you know promised guaranteed rates of return of 7% plus that's when you know you're probably being sold some snake oil <laughs> now with that said i mean yeah. if you take a traditional balanced portfolio like the worst 10 year period it had from 2007 to 2017 because you had the you know the great recession there yep. it still averaged almost 6% on the worst 10 year period of a balanced portfolio um so the worst periods of a debt balanced portfolio were 2008 and then we just lived through the second one which was 2022 because the stock market was down 22% and bond market was down 13% so that was 2022 was the worst year that a balanced investor uh, you know kind of a 60 40 or 50 50 Portfolio has seen in um the last many many decades, so we already lived through it once
0: that brings up the question: is the traditional portfolio dead and we've got about a minute so give me
1: about thirty seconds to plug uh yeah i mean if we we it's not dead. I think that there are some really good alternatives that I really like to add to portfolios now that are kind of somewhat new markets, I guess you could say as a result of things that have gone on in the economy, but it's definitely not dead um so, so yeah, let's talk about asset allocation and the idea of what adding different things to the portfolio does when you're trying to make your wealth last 35 plus years.
0: And I'll give some of my own personal insights into this that will be kind of shocking, I think, or sad. It's either or. You can find CFP Chad Burton at ChadBurton.com. That's ChadBurton.com. He's going to be at an event on the 24th of August. It is in Los Gatos, Toll House Hotel, 7 ready. So the readiness retirement tests. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one. Find it at chadburton.com. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP
2: Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com.
0: The seven ways to test your retirement concept that is being brought to you by EP Wealth and CFP Chad Burton. Uh, really, what we're trying to do is motivate you to look seriously at your retirement issues. Uh, five to 10 years before you retire, because there's no do-overs. You can learn more about CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. He's a regional director and a CFP, CFA with EP, not CFA, CFP with EP Wealth. Just gave you an extra credential there. So whoops. Uh, people could find him at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. And if you want to make an appointment, you can do that as well. One of the things that you brought up, and again, I'm the ideal you know person to talk to here. Because I'm at that age of 54, 55, heading towards retirement with a decent amount of wealth. Um, Before we ended our last segment, Chad, you talked about how 60-40 is not quite dead, but you've got some, like I don't want to say some uh, upgrades to it or some bonuses for it, but you have some new ideas to throw into it. What do we need to know?
1: Um, Well, yeah. So, and let's talk about kind of the angle that I'm coming at right now is larger portfolios for retirement, because, you know, really in the, in the Bay Area, for example, in order to be able to retire, um, you know, 2 million at 65, you might really only want to be generating about $40,000 a year, increasing with inflation every year to be safe if you're 65 at the most. So, you know, two million sounds like a really large number for radio, but um you kind of need that or more in the Bay Area to retire. So let's just be, you know, honest about that. Is that per so typically person? over uh well for it depends on your expenses, right? So right. if it, it you just have to say, Okay, I want to make sure starting at age sixty five that I'm not drawing more than three and a half to four percent of my portfolio in order to live. If you're having to draw more than that, you're already <laughs> You're, you're doing something wrong. You're either going to have to cut expenses, work longer or a combination uh, because you need to have more. The value of dollar is cut in half about every 15 to 18 years. So if you're drawing 40 grand a year out now in about 15 to 18 years, you're going to be drawing 80 grand a year out to live. So you have to leave some growth in the portfolio for your higher withdrawal rates in the future. That's why it's so important to get your linear cash flow test correct where you have... Here's my expenses you know, that are going to grow at, say, 2.5% inflation. Um, here's my random expenses that are going to grow, but also maybe disappear over time, or my mortgage is going to disappear over time. My healthcare costs are going to inflate at 5%. You know, how long is your money going to last? So that's you know, really, really important to get that right um, before you do portfolio design or anything else. So getting back to the idea of, of portfolios, the 60-40 is absolutely not dead. I mean, bonds are finally giving us a rate of return. Cash is finally giving us a rate of return. Um, so if I have a typical retirement portfolio over $2 million where we start adding alternatives in, and the world of alternatives can be um, certain types of re- real estate investment trusts, um, certain types of what's called private credit or direct lending funds, but you have to be very careful here because there's a lot out there now. And what that means is the typical ones that we like are the ones where you're there's a lot of rules now because of Dodd-Frank, Sarbanes-Oxley and all these rules where because of the credit crisis and other issues, if you have a a bank that is um, invested in a company, they can't lend money on a deal. It's a simple way of putting this. Um, There's all sorts of rules. So, if a company a wants to buy company B you know, typically they would have borrowed money from the bank. They don't like to use their own cash. They like to borrow money and use some of their own stock in order to buy this company, you know, get rid of the people that they don't need the synergies, right. That, that word synergy Great, um, suck in the revenue, but cut expenses. And then um, boom, you've got, you know, a better company. Um, so, so typically what happens and what that occurs, it's, it's, usually a stock, and then they borrow some money on a five to seven-year note, four to seven-year note um, at pretty decent rates. And banks do hardly any of that anymore compared to what they used to prior to the Great Recession because of all the rules. So this whole industry of direct lending or private lending, private credit, and there are similar terms, has popped up. And there are some really good ones that we like that are more blue chips. So they're only lending money to profitable companies buying other companies. And, uh, the rates are typically, uh, four to 7% plus whatever the, uh, SOFR rates are. Um, so interest, the rates are pretty good these days. And the problem is with these is there's a lot of them out there, Rob. So some of them are kind of like almost like VC funds right. where they're funding startups and non-profitable companies. So you don't want that. You have to be very, very careful, so getting back to that's a long explanation on the 5% that I might put into alternative investments 5 to 10% depending on the portfolio but I'd say a typical 60 40 portfolio now has become 55% equities which is the same thing as stocks uh 5% in alts and then 40% in bonds and so when you say equities that's going to be a mix of you know large cap small cap international emerging market And I would say that overseas, fundamentally, if you look at price to earnings ratio and things like that, stocks look cheaper, but that's, you know, because they already got hit with a recession there's other issues like Ukraine. Um, So we're looking for, you know, good, right now is kind of a good timing, right? To go overseas because you have a dollar that's starting to weaken and good fundamentals, but we need a catalyst. Um, So you still want that international exposure. And on the bond side, it might be a mix of laddered bond portfolios where you actually own individual bonds as well as funds that invest in different styles of bonds. So 60-40 bond is it's definitely not dead. In fact, now a person that's more conservative could be more like 50-50 and still get a good rate of return over the next 10 years.
0: Interesting. But again, that's gonna also be evolving. Um when you say 10 years, you may have to change that plan in five or you may have to start uh, taking into account twists and turns and how to to fix things, uh, tinker with it over the over the years. Um, is that fair what's to interesting to,
1: It is, but what, what's interesting about that is you kind of fix that during your withdrawal phase. So okay. once you set your, your retirement plan in motion and you've gone through these seven tests that say one of the tests is how much safe money do you have on the sidelines? Um, what you're typically doing is you're looking at that safe money that you have in the bank and other areas and saying, okay, I've spent some of that this quarter. What did the stock market do? What did the bond market do? and you're peeling off growth to go back to your asset allocation that you started with in order to maintain that so um for example in 2021 you should have been peeling off large cap growth to replenish your cash because it had skyrocketed Uh, um, as interest rates go down your bonds could go up in value so if we go into a recession and rates go down and your bond goes up and the stock market goes down That quarter or that year, you might peel off some of the bonds that did really well to replenish the cash that you spent. So asset allocation, having a model for your portfolio, a design for your portfolio, and an amount of safe money knowing what you spend helps you maintain it. It draws a line in the sand to say, I'm going to sell to maintain this asset allocation. It Actually, the hardest part of investing is selling. It's not buying. It's knowing when to sell. And having your expenses dialed in, having a goal for your safe money and a goal for your portfolio helps you fix all that
0: when you're talking about this portfolio that Mm -hmm. five percent equities five percent alts forty percent bonds you know mix of ladder that how do you do that from right now i'm in a growth model personal Mm -hmm. and ep wealth um i know i need to get into an income model but do i do it ten percent at a time over the years or do i do it cold turkey uh, do I do it over a three-year period? What's the time frame in your mind to go from wealth accumulation to wealth uh, income, you know, portfolio generation?
1: Yeah, I mean, for the for the next year, when you know bond prices look fairly attractive, one of the first things you could do, Rob, is alter your contributions in your four hundred one k. Where are you adding money right okay. now? The stock market has done really well; it's recovered from the twenty twenty two lows. So bonds are more attractive. They're paying a higher rate of return. So why not funnel your contributions and your 401k into bonds at this point for you, right? This is not advice. You know, don't, nobody should take anything Absolutely. we say as advice because we don't know you. We don't know your situation. You could be way too allocated and you could be retiring in two or three years. In that case, let's just reallocate now, right? Because you may miss out on some uptide if the market continues to rally, but when you're managing wealth and you're dealing with retirement, getting slammed with the downside, right? When you retire is way worse than just missing out on a little bit more upside return. I, I see what you're, I, I get where you're going with that.
0: Yep. Um, so start you, start you, thinking you, about my sequence of returns before I need to start
1: thinking about my sequence of returns. Yeah. So 10, 10 years out, you start you know changing your contributions. You start maybe slowly going from, okay, I'm hundred percent in equities every year I'm going to start trimming that down by 5%, right? Something like that. Have a strategy in place that says, okay, I'm going to slowly do this over time while I'm contributing to the right areas so that when I'm five years away from retirement, my portfolio looks almost like it's going to look the day I retire. Interesting. So this is – um
0: fueling my thoughts. And that's a good thing because it's your normal thoughts and your job is to help people like me really get to where I need to be in readiness for retirement. Um, Any final thoughts on this portfolio or should we move ahead? Um, I I guess I have one question with it is um, in the last 15 years, 20 years, we've been in a super low rate environment. Now we're in an area where interest rates are five and a half, five and a quarter percent, um, where we're no longer at that super low level. Do you think the next 15 years for financial planning are going to be different? And we've got about a minute left.
1: Um, I think where it's the financial planning is much different, right? When you're trying to adjust to the new cost of mortgages. So it's more of that. Um, I I don't have a house yet, or I still need to upgrade because of my family. You know, what can I afford? That's a little, that's a different scenario. Um, you know, it's an easier decision. If you have that old 3% mortgage, you don't want to pay that off anymore, right? Because you can get more on, on treasury bills. So it's changed it a little bit, but um, it's really, again, that idea that bonds are now competition for stocks because the rates are pretty good. We always have to be thinking about this.
0: And that's what a CFP does. He is CFP Chad Burton. He is with EP wealth. He is a regional director as well as he's doing an event called the Seven Ways to Test Your Retirement. You can sign up for it at chadburton.com. That's coming up August 24th in Los Gatos, California, at the Toll House Hotel, chadburton.com. You are listening to The Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So I work in radio and television, and sometimes the best content comes out during the commercials cfp chad burton from ep wealth is with me today he's a regional director as well as a cfp um he and i've been working together in financial media for years during the commercial break we talked about where some people are living in retirement and in particular in the mountains and snow and uh it's a big decision like right now i'm I'm thinking i don't really do too well in heat so where am i going to retire that's not hot um But that's why you could use a CFP. He's going to talk to you. He's going to get to know you. He's going to say – he's going to see it and done it before. He's gone through these scenarios so many times. Um, It's not new to him. So the seven ways to test your retirement is finding a place to live where you don't melt because I'm English, Scottish blood, and I don't don't do well. (laughs) I turned 40, Chad, and I could be in the sun for 30 minutes, and I turned 45, and it's like 15 minutes. And now I feel direct sunshine wilts me in five
1: minutes. It's it stinks. over. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Um, you know, it's there's there was a lot of people that wanted to move from California, especially in the Napa area. the clients that I had that wanted to move yeah. to Washington where there's a lot of wine. Right. And I, said, you know, I go living in the Northwest forever. I mean, most of my clients are in the Bay area, Rob, but I, you know, have the office in Redwood Shores and then Vancouver, Washington, and I prefer the Northwest schools. You know, I've got four kids. Um, I love the mountains. I love my seasons, mm-hmm. but the rain that you deal with in the Northwest, right between September and October tend to be really nice, but starting in November, I mean, you're seeing clouds until June. <laughs> so a lot of people from California, that that's a tough time to handle. And, and so there's this one couple um, that wanted to move from Napa to Washington. And we ran a couple of model scenarios on the financial plan. And if they didn't like it and they needed to move back to California, if they would rebuy the same or similar house, but have to pay that higher property tax when they came yeah. back, it blew their plan up. So what we had them do is rent their house out for a year to try it so that they can maintain their property taxes in Napa. And they moved to Washington. They said, you're right. We can't live here full full time. We We can't do it. Years later, all their kids moved, and so now they're spending more time in like Colorado and Arizona where they where their grandchildren are so it would have been a complete waste anyway so they moved back into Napa um, they now have a, a second home during the summertime in Colorado, a smaller place um, and they're happy but they they almost made that mistake of getting completely out of California, which a lot of people do that because they think oh i'm going to pay 9 to 13% on my on all my income in California. That's not quite how it works. I mean most clients that have even six figure income their effective yield in California ends up to be around 6 to 7% after all the deductions. Um and now you have to really consider that property tax. Now with the Prop 19 you can downsize anywhere in California and maintain your property tax base, but it's still you know careful consideration. I think I'll have, you know, uh, like later on in life, a split time between a better place to ski and a and a better lake, for example, versus potentially where I am now. So got to think ahead and
0: run those Thank scenarios. You. And I do think that's important. And uh, finding the right place is part of your retirement readiness tests. Um, People can learn more about CFP Chadburton by going to chadburton.com. There are the 15 things to do before you hire a CFP. Then there's book an appointment with a CFP where you can meet with someone like Chad on a Zoom call or in person. People can learn more at chadburton.com. Let's talk a little bit about, you teased this recently on the air, a little bit about the mortgage versus um doing the Roth or doing the, the mega Roth or mm-hmm. what tax consequences are, are the final ones that we need to talk about on today's show?
1: Well, the issue is, is that With the current tax law, there's a lot of people that their rates are so low on their mortgage, they're not really getting a tax deduction. Okay. So let's say a year and a half ago when that was the case, and you're trying to say, you know, do I put money into bonds or do I pay off that mortgage? If they weren't getting a tax deduction, it made some sense to pay off the mortgage and reduce the cash outflow. But where we are now, where you can get over 5% in treasuries um, that are not taxable at the state level, if your mortgage is 3% or under, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay it off anymore. So, um, and once you pay it off, it, it's gone. You don't have the ability to eventually like turn that into a rental. Can you imagine how many people, I mean, rates are never not going back to where they were anytime soon. I mean, my first house, it was 8% and that felt like a good rate. So there's a lot of people that are in these homes with, you know, 2.75% mortgages that even if they eventually move out of them, it's going to be a rental property, you know, cause it's, it's, it's hard to ever give that up anymore.
0: It's a super low cost mortgage loan. And mm-hmm. it's it's tax favorable, if nothing else. So um, yeah. it does stink because I bought a house two years ago and I had to pay back a home equity line of credit, which was really, really low, Chad.
1: Yeah. And that option's been
0: taken away from me. I'm like, could I have kept that somehow, some way, some shape, some form? And I'll be honest, Chad, and this is where we get back to you and me. I'm a little bit older than you and I don't want to read anymore. I don't want to read legal documents anymore. I don't want to ask the questions. When you said Prop 19 in California, I'm like, I don't know if that's every county. Um I need people like you a CFP to kind of understand the laws for me and that goes for healthcare too that goes for tax planning it goes for a lot mm-hmm. of things that a lot of people don't
1: realize that's what a CFP does I mean controlling if you retire early before 65 and you control your income properly you can have a whole bunch of premium credits for your healthcare so it went from if I retire early, I'm doing IRA to Roth conversions, no-brainer. Well, that's not quite the case now because of the twenty thousand dollar plus year in healthcare costs that you can either pay for yourself or get credits under the Affordable Care Act. So things, things change all the time. Um, that's why I love it because everybody's different. Talk about the idea of the mortgage. Some people are like, I don't, I don't care about that one and a half, two percent arbitrage that I can get on my money by buying treasuries. I hate debt. I don't want debt in retirement. Okay, fine. Well, let's just pay off the mortgage and see if the plan still works, you know, because it's also, you got two people in a marriage often, and sometimes you have very different views on money and you have to find a happy medium that still works with the people and the plan. I hear you. Um, Seven ways to
0: test your retirement. August 24th, 630 to 830 Toll House Hotel, Los Gatos, California. There's still time to sign up. Um, it's for people with $500,000 or more in investable assets as they're heading towards retirement. It's ideal, but if you're in retirement, it's also pretty good chance to get a, a, make sure that you pass all those seven tests. Chad, we've got 25 seconds. You want to take us out for the day?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you want to say, am I even close to, or should I stay retired? This is the event that you want to go to, um, a couple of different ways to test it. And if you can pass them all, you're going to be in good shape. Sign up at ChadBurton.com. Think you're in good shape
2: for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, August 24th in Los Gatos. They'll walk you through these seven tests to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to retire better, pass on your estate and minimize taxes, this event is for you. Find out if you're on the right track with the 7 Tests of Retirement Readiness, Thursday, August 24th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all 7 tests? Sign up today online at robblackshow.com.